Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response... Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com slash potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. this is The Potential Podcast. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. It's so ghoulishly good to see you all again. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me, hairball. Careful there. Sunlight. Of course, as nerds, we're used to uh, mostly being in the dark. Yeah, so we're already pretty pale. <laughs> Don't look at me. Um, well, hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. You know what, Taylor? It has been halfway through October. We haven't even done an episode on anything with, you know, the Halloween uh, 
holiday coming up. We haven't done anything scary so far this season. I know we've lost our touch, I feel like. But, I mean, there's been so much to talk about. And um, I feel with all of our views that we've talked about, uh, we've kind of got into the spooky season. But um, there's it doesn't feel so much like a spooky season, I think, just because there's been such a catch-up on so much going on. You know, but we have to do a tribute episode um, that's spooky related. And we're, we're definitely going to have another one coming up, of course. But, uh, you know, we thought we talked about the Universal Monster Movies. For those of you, uh, welcome back to Season 2. Again, I'm your host, uh, Taylor Sogol, joined by Chris Drew over here. And uh, last year we talked, uh, for inaugural season, we talked about Universal Monster uh, Movies and the iconic monster. But we thought we'd tackle uh, a creature that I think has been ingrained in our brains and in pop culture uh, in terms of the media ever since the 1920s and then of course we want to talk about was vampires we couldn't guess from our weird intro i wish you could see their faces and things we're doing now because we're just trying to make each other laugh but vampires have just gone through such a journey uh through film uh well from books to film to tv shows and it's just interesting the evolution of what a vampire is or uh, what it represents but i think the core elements of them always have been uh the same but um i think we got to go back and let's start just talking about from the origins of film uh itself i mean that's i kind of think the first time a vampire was on screen was in 1922 yes we must we must bring up nosferatu uh which the the famous stories that of course bram stoker uh bram stoker had written the novel dracula there was an attempt to make a film version of that book. The rights were not granted. And so they had to rename the character essentially of Dracula. And we got Nosferatu. And the very creepy uh, Count Orlock. So instead of Count Dracula, we had Count Orlock uh, played by Max Schreck. And this is a very famous, we've seen this, even if you've never seen the film, We've seen this imagery of that classic black and white Nosferatu in so many things. Yeah, he's bald. He's got the pointy ears, long fingers. Very rat-like, almost like a rat vampire. Uh, yeah, the very long fingers with the the nails. And there's actually, even though I've never seen Nosferatu, it's on my list because I have dabbled. And you know, I think when we did Universal Monsters last year, checking out a lot of those classic films. Of course, Nosferatu is of the silent movie era. So, uh, you know, there's no actual dialogue in it. It's all just, you know, music played over it. I really enjoy this movie called Shadow of the Vampire. And this came out in 2000. I've talked about it, I think, before on the podcast. But this is a fantastic movie because it's kind of like a fictionalized or like, you know, a somewhat Hollywoodized version of making of Nosferatu. So it's like the process of making that film. And Willem Dafoe plays Max Shrek. And the whole point of the film is this kind of uh, meta take of, because the Nosferatu looks so real, especially for that time, you know, 1922, the whole concept of what if this director, F.W. Murnau, who's played by John Malkovich, if he went so far because he was so dedicated to want to make in this movie, he actually hired a real life vampire. And that who is who, who Max Shrek, everyone else in the movie thinks he's an actor and like he's always method and he's like always in character. No, he's actually a vampire. Uh, and so it's a very interesting concept of how they kind of develop that film. And it's one that I've 
I revisit every now and then. I highly recommend it if you've never seen it. I know, Taylor, you haven't yet. But as a Willem Dafoe fan, it's one of his best roles because he's so, he's so like truly that character. And the fact that he is an actual vampire makes it a very like, you know, almost twisted, like, where is it professional? Where is it deadly? Which is a lot about vampires is something about the myth of the vampire is the attractive point. You know, like a lot of vampires lure you in with their attraction. We obviously over over decades of time have gone much more vampires being sexy. Yeah, I know. It's like vampires have abs. Like, you know, <laughs> vampires are hot. Yeah, uh, exactly. you know, and being that, you know, just like with any animal, they, they use what they have to lure in their victims to then yeah. drink their blood. Well, they've changed methods over the years where they could, you know, hypnotize their victims or they just were lured. Like, oh, he's very attractive and the whole mesmerizing. But the I think it's not only the attraction of them, but the the idea that that eternal life is that, that you know, you know, come and and be with me and, you know, and live, live forever. And it's kind of like the, the two ends in there. And of course we talked about this last year. Uh, you know, one of the most famous, uh, what, what would change the, the face of kind of, you know, for Dracula for years to come or the vampire was of course, uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula. And that iconic of very like, Oh, I want to suck your blood, you know, just the very, yeah. with the cape and the whole drama. And of course this, we talked about this and, Mel Brooks dead and loving it that would uh, kind of inspire Leslie Nielsen's take of this very (laughs) outlandish, you know, very Roman, this over heightened Romanian uh, Eastern European accent that it was just this grandiose, almost operatic uh, vampire. It was like fan of the opera mixed with a vampire, you know? Yeah. Very uh, showy, uh, which it's all the different iterations of Dracula in film have been, uh, all over the place and I, I feel like especially that time uh you know the early 30s and 40s they, they didn't you know nowadays look at the films and how much violence we can show they couldn't show any violence so they had to play up more of the character element and i feel like that was more the concentration later on when you get to actors like christopher lee playing dracula it gets a lot more violent you start to see a lot more blood uh especially when it comes to like the actual process of biting and killing people or you know eating people and then even past um christopher lee then you get to like frank langella uh was famous for playing dracula and then we even get to the very interesting uh version with gary oldman francis ford coppola's version of bram stoker's dracula uh which is a very like for the time it came out it's very much set in the 90s but uh, again, a movie where it really plays up a very different look for a lot of the film. Like when Gary Oldman comes out as Dracula in the beginning, he looks like um, he looks like the Emperor from Star Wars has like joined like an opera or something. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? He's like got he, these giant white buttons on his head. It's like, what is yeah, happening here? This giant hair, but he's like, there he is. Uh, do you want wine? I never drink. Uh, so still playing into the style of what the accent would be like, but then clearly once Gary Ullman starts to, as Dracula gain his power, he's then very attractive. You know, they really play up the young, sophisticated, you know, which is why he starts to attract Winona Ryder's character in the first place. And also just, I love the the little sunglasses, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that detail. God. Yeah. And just the, the aristic, 
aristocratic, but like little like stylish. So it definitely has got it blurs the line there. But what was funny because that came out in 1992. You go then into staying with that attractive look, but maybe you know not the classic accent stuff. Two years later, we got Interview with a Vampire, which one of my favorite depictions of that very. Um, of the Victorian vampire and you've got Tom Cruise is just hamming it up in this film. And, <laughs> and I just love, cause it's so, it's such a different role than anything that he's played. And so I really, I really appreciate, like I've gone back to this movie um, and I've never read the books, but I mean, this is based on the Anne Rice novels and Lestat is a huge part of those novels, but I still go back to this now and then. And I remember watching this and then, You've got just that that look of the allure of the vampires. They 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 never change. They never get old. Um, and then you Brad Pitt's and this was great because this was one of I think this was Kirsten Dunst's first acting role. I think she's 13 years old and she plays um, their you know pseudo uh, daughter that they um, you know basically adopt. Adopt, yeah. And they they yeah. And a big part too of of that movie which isn't always the case in with like Dracula is I'm going to give you the choice I never had. So a big part of the lore of vampires, which is always interesting because a lot of them tackle this and it's is changed a lot. the idea that you, you get bit by a vampire, but in that process of you starting to die because you've lost a lot of blood, if they then feed you their blood, you would then change into a vampire and be given, you know, elongated life, you have to start drinking blood, all that stuff, you know, and it's, well, yeah. it's, and it's, it's changed it's, because I think, I think before it was, it was just kind of similar to the rules of a zombie. If you were bit by a vampire, then you become a vampire. But now a, a lot of things have taken in different turns. And that one I remember was really exciting because it was, you could tell that Lestat was uh, someone that was not given the choice. So at least, even though he's very creepy in that movie and Tom Cruise is creepy, he he's so Yes, he's very handsome and debonair uh, the way, but you could tell he's just a, a tiger waiting to pounce. And of course, yeah, just, oh yeah. after the whole scene sequence where they try to kill him off and he's not quite dead, um, he, when he comes out of that swamp and the way he just looks, you know, you've been a very, very bad girl. Uh, <laughs> and, it's, and he's playing the piano. I mean, I love it. It's it's so gothic horror. Oh, and, and, I, the, and the scene when, and then later in that movie, when they have the vampire, the opera, when the they're all these vampires are performing in plain sight and they basically kill someone in front of these this human audience they have no idea it's so like messed up they're like help me it's like oh this is a great show it's they're great. all it's like, like this is a brilliant and it's like no they're actual vampires you know taking out this girl uh yeah you got antonio banderas in there as well with the the long black hair it's 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 and what's interesting about that movie is we wouldn't get another one from the Anne rice series um until Queen of the Damned, and that one was just heavily panned. It didn't really work out as well as they wanted. So that's why uh, they stopped making the movies. There's like a bunch of these Anne Rice novels. I have read that there's now going to be a updated new version of Interview with the Vampire as a series. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not, not sure what uh, which uh, streaming platform, but that's so. Th there is work to have Anne Rice's novels come back on the screen in some way, shape, or form. But, um, you know, amazing that we still have that interview with the vampire. And I also just, I love the plot line of, you know, Louis being in present day, Christian Slater, you know, being this interviewee. And then, you know, gets to this whole interview, gets this crazy backstory. He's like, all right, I'm going to publish this piece. And then, of course, on the way home, 
who's there to finish him off, but Lestat, uh, you know, making his one last moment. It's just like, it's such a cool, creepy movie that, um, yeah, it's one that I always love around this time. And speaking around that time too, it's like one thing we have to bring up that in terms of, you know, obviously we're big nerds on this podcast and we have uh, loved so much of Marvel. Well, realistically, you can't really think that any of Marvel today would have even been possible if it wasn't for Wesley Snipes playing Blade. Absolutely. This was a huge turning point for the for the Marvel um, Marvel films. Yeah, because a lot of them were just duds before. And, you know, Blade, not probably a character a lot of people know of um, until this movie came out. But this idea of this somewhat anti-hero who he is a vampire, but he also can walk during the day. He's a day walker and he kind of goes around to kill bad vampires. Um, you know, not I guess not all vampires are bad, but that's his job. And this combining the 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 lore for him with that film, the martial arts element, the blade work, literally he has this awesome, you know, sword he uses. It was like really gritty. And I I remember too, like, you know, a lot of films and even TV shows, which we'll get to more TV later, when the vampires die, there's also such a huge difference of like, oh, they just crumble into dust. They just, you know, literally die. I remember Blade when I first saw it. I always loved how like whenever a vampire died, they like exploded into this like fiery crumble. You know, they oh, it was like as if a whole thing lit in their body and then they like exploded into like ash. It was yeah, it was so it was so different um to that point um that and it was kind of uh it was either they 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 would yeah crumble or that and this was just like oh we're going for the gore here and it was like boom i was like so for being you know kids when this came out um, you were what 10 when this came out uh probably yeah what if, uh, i mean yeah. i probably wouldn't have seen it in theaters but i i it would definitely probably remember been like, seen it probably like, I think within it was home a release. couple years after vhs or on tv and you know i saw all three blade movies um and now you know we're getting a new version of blade in the mcu coming out the next few years but Really, to think that although it is an action series, it's a Marvel comic series, it really got some interesting lore. And have they moved on into Blade 2? A little bit also of the idea we've seen with some movies with vampires of we start to mix the blood with other things. And like you start to get like super vampires or like zombie vampires. And like again, where like they have to go off the deep end. But in Blade 3, when they got to Blade Trinity, actually having Dracula be like the main villain just, just adding was, it to was the, interesting to the lore. yeah and then making him like he's this giant scary warrior that has to be you know fought off because he's he's now been reawakened and obviously he's gonna want to kill everybody awakened just yeah the blade series and i'm excited to see where what are they going to do to reinvent that uh within the mcu because you know blade blade 3 came out in 2004 so you know if, if it's next year that we get this new blade uh, iteration, it'll been, you know, 18 years uh, between movies. So I'm excited to see where they're going to go next with blade, but definitely for talking vampires, you got to bring up blade at some point. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And I enjoyed that. And I, um, I, I think it's just, it's a character that hasn't really given its due, but we've gotten some hints in the Marvel cinematic television universe and things like, so there's already been a little hints there. I got to go take a little step back uh, to a couple years back. I have to talk about another big inspiration of mine. 
Um, I really enjoyed The Lost Boys. This is a great uh, yeah. uh, vampire movie that I think what was so great about this, and this is like one of my favorite Kiefer Sutherland roles. Um, years later, I would get into like 24, but this was like, he was the king of 80s. Um, and I just remember this is kind of like, he was, his character of David, this came in 1987, he would just have this um, enigmatic and very memorable antagonist where he was just, it just played that eighties, the bad boy so well. We were like this kind of punk style. He's got the bleach blonde hair. And it was kind of like, I think he really inspired and it gave a little inspiration to blade too, with all the all black, the leather jackets and kind of like, this is kind of the first bad boy vampire villain. I think that audience was a love to hate or hate to love. If you think, you know, later we're going to talk about some TV series where we talk about the hunky vampires, like, Oh, I hate that. But like, Oh wow. He's cute. Um, but yeah, it was just so great. And then this really, I love this was kind of meta where you've got, you know, the little, the punk vampires in town and they're the luring that whole thing. Like, you know, you know, live with us and you can live forever and, and never grow old. It kind of like had that Peter Pan-esque, like, you know, the Lost Boys. I mean, the title itself, like, you know, and I think I love that, you know, the other local kids are like, oh, we're going to kill vampires. You got to, you got to kill the stake. And I had the idea that if you kill the head vampire, the one who created the other ones, it would, that was another cool, like add to the lore of like, you have to kill one vampire, you kill them all. And that's something that actually uh, pops up also in John Carpenter's vampires, which okay, uh, yes. it is a, is a great like action movie for vampires. It's, it's James Woods is a vampire hunter and he has his crew and they, they realize that there's, there's vampires and then there's like masters. And if it's a master, they're much stronger and it definitely is one of those kill the master you kill the brood kind of thing yeah and, and it's come up a lot in some tv series and, and things like that more recently um but i think that's really cool and that's another thing too getting into like you know you start to figure out that a lot of these shows or movies it wouldn't be just one vampire it would be a coven it would yeah, be a like pack. a whole yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. pack of them and how they how they operate uh which definitely is films have come out uh, the last decade or so, we've seen a lot more of that. Like, you know, we get to, we're still going to talk about Twilight, even though it's not our favorite. We'll get to their but... Twihards. Um, and then, and then also one that one film that's been remade. I never got to see the original, but it was, um, of course, the film Fright Night. Now, I never got to see the '85 version. Uh, oh yes, 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 with yes. Chris Sarandon, Humperdinck. Uh, <laughs> but I did see the 2011 version with Colin Farrell, and I really love Fright Night, and it got great reviews. But I love the his character of Jerry Dandridge, like just this, like again playing with the. It was a little bit comedic, kind of playing with the the tropes of the very charismatic, you know, uh, guy who just moved in next door, and like, oh, something's off with this guy. So it was kind of like. Uh, I just I just like that, and the, the remade version was just fun because you had such great, great comedy and just really good action. I think that you know, as as and we'll talk about this. As you've seen, as technology's gotten better, we can really, you know, either add to the dread or just the the special effects. That's that's really cool. That you know, to show what vampires are actually possible with, especially because they're they're we we see a lot with vampires that they they're supposed to have superhuman speed. Sometimes they can fly. Uh, they can walk on walls. Uh, yeah. And so definitely as CGI and the stunts overall have improved, uh, you get to see more properly how a vampire would act compared to, again, looking at the classic like Bela Lugosi, where a lot of it is just for show, uh, not really to show the, the, the fear, if you will, but, I've wanted to see Fright Night, both versions, because I've heard the original is uh, awesome. 
as well as Salem's Lot, another Stephen King, uh, you know, book that's been turned to a movie, and that's also apparently getting remade. You know, a lot of Stephen King stuff has been uh, being remade, but um, I, I had to bring up just because you, you you mentioned about how action sequences have improved and showing more what a vampire can do. Definitely, even though it's had uh, it's had some amazing ups and some really not so good sequels rocking off of the blade franchise you have the underworld franchise yes this is true. Uh, which you know then you get into lore of not just vampires we have lichens as well uh you know aka werewolves and this this war that's been going on for centuries that the vampires fight the lichens and having yeah kate beckinsale harris celine and uh, you know just i mean like I remember that first trailer coming out and it was like, oh, this is like a gritty, dark, gothic action, you know, vampire movie. And there's some really cool scenes. And, you know, coming off of fears off of things like The Matrix, we would see a lot more like, oh, we can do slow-mo or like really improve the action sequences. So it's not just it's not just the figure in the dark, you know, I want to suck your blood. It's no, I have these awesome guns that shoot. So for bullets, are and I'm badass. Like, they don't have to like, use my they're eyes and, and throw they're a at you. Yeah, yeah. And how that that whole movie, you know, you start to see. Oh, again, the vampires—they have vampire leaders, and you know, you kind of protect the coven, and then even the lichens have their system of like who runs the pack and everything. So I love, you know, I love all the action sequences, and that's all great. But I love seeing the lore. How again, as you said before. All you know, yes, vampire. The basic vampire is a being that needs to drink blood to survive. That is the essential, the essential, the thing that's been the comment throughout them all. Yeah, and how that changes between different, you know, movies and stuff. It's it's very well, interesting. And I think it was cool that 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 kind of built that. I think that kind of inspired. I mean, there was probably a lot in literature and such, but that movie kind of put on the map of the whole werewolves and vampires you know having this epic you know fight of course this would be seen later and we'll talk about this in tv shows but i think that was kind of cool the lichens were i think it was cool than just a run-of-the-mill like werewolf and so that was kind of a cool like edgy thing but yeah i was uh a huge and i was definitely glad that you brought that up in terms of films another one i wanted to bring up that plays off of comic book inspiration which uh you know blade and even underworld you could say to a point did you ever see 30 Days of Night? I did not see this one, but I know where you're going with this. I heard I heard, heard good things about this. This one is awesome. So uh, there was a sequel that I never saw that probably wasn't that great. But again, with the lore element, 30 Days of Night uh, was a miniseries comic that was then adapted to a film. And this all takes place up in this small town in Alaska. And so the whole, you know, like, there's a point during the winter where the sun does not come out for the entire month because of uh, where this town sits and everything. So there's this giant abandoned like fairy ship. And apparently all these vampires are, they've been living there because they can't come out in the sun. And so they come out once a year to feed for 30 days because it's 30 days of night. And just like, but these are like dark, creepy, very fast, you know, very gory vampires. Very, very sharp razor teeth the whole way through, not just the two fangs. And like their eyes are different colors and like they can like run on all four. And like, you know, they're very, it's a very gory movie. But for the lore aspect, I just, there's some shots in that are so creepy to think of like, all right, the last day of sun goes. And then these people just trying to survive the night uh, while these things are just basically having a, a hometown buffet. 
<laughs> well, we and we've seen definitely there is the very you know scary uh, side of you know vampire films. Uh, there's also been the not so scary, maybe somewhat uh, you know silly and friendly ones. Uh, one I'll go back. To, one I'll like reference here because you know being a Disney fan, DCOM that's where it's at. It's showing my age. I gotta talk about um, mom's gotta do with a vampire. <laughs> mom's gotta do with a vampire. Yep. <laughs> which is which is just great because got Mr. Sheffield, uh, and uh, I just love that one because it was kind of, it was just so like goofy and and like playing again with the tropes of, um, you know what vampires are are possible. And these kids are like they want to get their mom in the house so bad, so they they set her up. This is the pre online dating. They set up this blind date, and she ends up dating this vampire. And they got to save her, but it's just, it's just so fun because it just kind of, he's trying to do all the tropes of like, uh, you know, Oh, I'll take you out. And then she's not having it. And I just love that the kind of the absurdity of it. Uh, I just, I remember for, for a direct to TV movie, it wasn't too bad. I really enjoyed that growing up as a Yeah, kid. it was cute. And like, of course, by the end they do realize, Oh, mom, mom is going to be in danger. We have to try to take out this vampire, you know, or at least stop him from doing what he wants to do. Another one actually came out, it would have been the same year, just about a week after, two weeks after. Uh, Got to bring up The Little Vampire. Oh, yes. Jonathan Litnicki. Yes. Yeah, Jonathan, yeah. Very very cute. You know, our, yeah, our, our boy from Stuart Little. Um, <laughs> just a very cute movie where it's, you know, this, this kid who doesn't really have anything going on and he meets another little boy and finds out that this little boy is a vampire and he befriends him. So it's like, it's not so much... Uh, um, scary like oh he's gonna become a vampire but it's like him being accepted by this vampire boy and his vampire family uh a great a great early role that you know think of all the roles i would have seen him in an early role of richard e grant uh playing the father vampire in that and he's just great that was one of my favorite roles of his earlier roles of his and i just love yeah i i oh and it's so funny this goes back to like when they bit people they would turn vampires remember they were feeding off the cows and all the cows became vampire cows and then I remember, like, just just little things about that movie. But I'm so glad you brought that back because that was just – it was very cute and just fun. And But this would show that not all vampires were evil. And, you know, we could, like, let, we can flip that on its – you know, maybe they're just misunderstood creatures of the night. We've, we've even had, you know, the last several years we've had the very funny Hotel Transylvania animated films, um, you know, starring – uh, Adam Sandler as Dracula as if he was running a hotel uh, in Transylvania for all you know the different type of monsters and uh, it, the humor of playing up a lot of those tropes I think a lot of times there's still a lot of things that can be fun uh, with you know because kids dress up as vampires kids like to dress up as you know any of these things um, and those movies I think are very funny again he does talk with that very Transylvania you know accent although it is still it's still Adam Sandler, you know, but uh, talking about, yeah, again, movies that are a little more nice, easy to watch, not so much uh, the horror aspect, but to go back to the horror aspect for a second here, if we're talking about uh, movies that we enjoy that are vampire based again with the lore aspect, one I got to bring up is Daybreakers. Oh, uh, yes. this came out in 2009 and it's very dark, very creepy. And this is actually an interesting movie where it's like, they have to farm humans for blood because there's so many vampires. You're bringing up a great trope that I think this was one of the several films that would turn the vampire genre on its axis and make it more of a science fictional. You know, this was like a dystopian future. 
And when I saw the trailer and heard about this, I was like, that's a movie I want to see. The fact that, like, okay, vamp, the vamp, vampirism was a disease where there's way too many vampires and there's not enough humans. So, like, it was a cool allegory, like, this is our resource. But it's like we, you know, and the vampires became the top species, but to their detriment. Because they have nothing. Yeah, there's not enough food to go around. And starting to understand that there's, like, off-breed versions of some of these vampires because they start to eat things they're not supposed to. And just some very creepy stuff in there. Uh, great work from Ethan Hawke. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in there. And Sam Neill. Oh, I love Sam Neill as the main villain, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, like I, I did say we we're going to talk about it, and we might as well. Well, we have to get it out of the way, yes. It is still part of the, of, of you know, vampires. And I get it, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it keeps getting panned or, you know, made fun of a lot just because it is more to the romantic genre, if you will, uh, young teen romance, but... The Twilight series, you know, it's like, if anything, you have to applaud the uh, the merits of how that franchise exploded, um, you know, because that that kind of story could have easily just been a one off. Uh, OK, great. Girl meets vampire. They fall in love. That's it. It's it's more, I think, a lot of the the novels of how Stephanie Meyer, like, you know, she she tried to create a, a whole lore to her vampires and then it's played into the romance element and even then like there's werewolves you know yeah you applaud her because she didn't look and that's what i'm saying like i actually kind of applaud her because what she decided to do was not even like i'm not going to research other stuff vampires i'm just going to create my own thing and do it and like and it's something very original where vampires didn't burn in the sun they sparkled because they're they were so okay it's a little silly we think but because their their bodies were basically stone and you know but they they could be out in the sun nothing could kill them they're very much indestructible and then like you have like you know the you have a native american tribes you know especially in this area and they um are werewolves you know they they so very much again similar to underworld the whole there's a whole treaty they don't really like to you know interact there's a little bit of animosity and then having that of course that would make a great storyline of the romantic triangle of this one girl who can't decide if she falls in love with the vampire for XYZ or with the werewolf for XYZ. But I really, what I really like about the Twilight series is the hierarchy. Yes. The Volturi. And seeing that there is the Volturi, this, this ancient, you know, vampires uh, that are like living in Italy and they kind of run everything. And if anything goes awry in, uh, you know, their, you know, their breed, they leave to go like handle it. And they're very creepy and that's just something, you know, we've seen in some other films, but not to that degree. So even though, yes, a lot of Twilight is the, oh my gosh, it's just like teen angst and acting. I mean, good luck. Look how far, you really think, uh, look at Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson have both come so far from those movies. Like, I, I guess I they'll always be remembered. And that could have been, that could have been, that could have been the end of their career and look what, what they've spawned. But <laughs> um, yeah, that I agree about the, the Volturi, another cool element of it, what I liked was uh, the immortal children where they were banned because if a vampire made a, like a child into a vampire, you think about, and this kind of goes back to the uh, interview with a vampire, where you if you turn a child where they can't develop properly, they're just driven by their base instincts. It could be like a deadly little like, you know, these creepy little little vampire babies it's like whoa so i thought that was kind of like <laughs> of course it's played like not as scary but it could have been like whoa nuts um but yeah i actually really enjoyed it and I'm, I'm gonna admit 
on this podcast right here. I did read the Twilight books because I want to see what was going on. Same. And I did watch the movies. But you know what? I enjoyed those aspects just like you did. So 100% on them board with that. Yeah, I mean... You know, it's just part of the thing, and you, it's you get swept pop, up it's into the... Yeah, yeah. It's part of pop culture. It's part of pop culture. we got to talk about it. So what I want to bring up next, uh, as we're still talking about movies, and we're going to get to TV in just a minute here, um, the last one I want to bring up, at least from movies for now, is uh, going back to comedy and thinking of, you know, we, we did talk about Mel Brooks, uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, and how there's not really been too many parody comedic versions of movie, you know, movies. But one that uh, started off as a great film that now has been a very successful TV adaptation, I got to bring up Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement's fabulous What We Do in the Shadows, um, which is uh, essentially a mockumentary uh, of these vampires that all live in the same house and how they kind of just go about their everyday life. Um, like they have a chore chart and like they <laughs> they have like, you know, it's a house meeting and talking about, like you know, it. It was so funny because it played on all the tropes of like coming out of the coffin, you know, having an alarm go off. Um, you know, if they have to vacuum, they can just fly in the air and vacuum. And uh, there's there's all these great moments in the movie. And then, you know, years later, now we've had I think it's now in the third season of what we do in the shadows being a, a TV adaptation on Hulu. Um, but I had to bring that up because I really do love that. And we don't get a ton of the parody kind of more comedic take for vampires overall um, as a genre. We get a lot more of the horror or it goes in like horror action, um, you know, like, like, yeah. So, but anything else you want to bring up for films before we move to TV? In terms of films, no, I'm itching to get to TV shows because I think TV series, once we started getting into the TV side of things, you know, I think it definitely kind of changed the course of, vampires in a, in a different way um so i'm excited to go to that so i think we should take a little break here uh i'm gonna um eat some less garlic and uh, <laughs> get my steak gets my steak ready i'm gonna go and look at myself in the mirror ah crap i can't see myself i i don't have reflection we'll be right back so tell me victor what seems to be the problem this time i just can't stand it literally killing me what do we talk about in our last session we cannot change our fears unless we face them but doctor she loves italian olive garden is her favorite restaurant unlimited breadsticks bottomless soup and salad what a deal Ugh, the savings but ugh, garlic <sighs> tell me more about this girl of yours how's that going she's wonderful beautiful eyes like the moon such a lovely, delicious neck. I wish she wouldn't wear a turtleneck so much. Well, it is March, and it's chilly. And that's not the worst part. The worst is, she is highly religious. Remember, we must be accepting of others if we are to be accepting of yourself. But she wears a crucifix. I can't get close to her when she wears it. <sighs> Why are you so afraid of intimacy? Remember, break down the word intimacy is I to me, I see. Don't get me started on that. Please. What do you mean? Every time we eat together, she always is picking on me. You have something in your teeth. Ever heard the floss? Blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you should keep a small mirror with you on these dates. No, I can't bring myself to look in the mirror. I don't even recognize myself anymore. You're still the same person. 
But you're growing. That's progress. You don't get it. What don't I get? Tell me. What have you been up to? What can I say? I'm a creature of habit. And the night. I sleep all day and usually just hanging around. Why not get out now and then? You're awfully pale. Vitamin D would do you good. No! I can't bear the sun. It will kill me. Come on, we must face our fears. Here, I'll show you. Well, that certainly sparked the conversation. I'm afraid our time is up. Same time next week. All right, class. Well, I'm so excited to welcome our guest for this special safety demonstration. He is known as the Daywalker. (laughs) Let's give a round of applause to Mr. Blade. It's just Blade. And I'm just Paul. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. There are creatures lurking in every sick, damp corner of the city, waiting to prey on the weak. You know, pathetic fools like you. Like raccoons? No, mother... A. Hominus Nocturna. Vampires. Bloodsuckers. Wait, vampires are real? (laughs) Like Bella Lugosi? Less makeup. Much more dangerous. How do you kill a vampire? Good question, small man. Vampires are hard to kill, but the job can be done. This is my associate, Whistler. Today we'll show you three effective ways to harm and kill a vampire. First of all, we use a steak. Well, I had a steak last night. Medium well. <laughs> Was delicious. Prime rib. Interrupt one more time, and you'll lose an arm. Shutting up. A sharp wooden steak, or if you got one, silver is even better. Straight through the heart. Kill that sucker dead. Ultraviolet light rays are deadly to a vampire. Burn them to a crisp. I noticed you were called Daywalker. Are you one of them? No, I'm something else. Well, you look human to me. Humans don't drink blood. Well, I drink Gatorade and... Moving on! Holy water, garlic, bullets. They can sure as hell damage him, but they may not be enough. Wait, so Blade, sir, you can't even have garlic bread? Thanks for the reminder. It sucks. Well, I can. It's delicious. So use these weapons and tools if you can. And if all else fails, get yourself a badass sword. Today only, we are offering 20% off on these products for your safety. We won't get this deal anywhere else in town. Remember what we told you. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. All right, class. Let's thank Blade and Mr. Whistler. I want you all to go home and kill at least two vampires. Have a good weekend. Uh, and we're back here talking about vampires in film and television. So, you know, of course, we can't cover everything because there's there's quite a lot. This this You know, if you look at it, especially like just the original Universal Monsters uh, of all the characters, there's probably been the most involved with vampires in so many ways on both TV, film, video games, books, you name it. But we talked a lot about films and the various types from the dark and spooky to the funny and kid-friendly. But vampires have really had a huge boom in television ever since, really, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was Dark Shadows for a small time, and that was a movie, that, uh, a TV show that eventually Tim Burton would adapt a version of, uh, starring Johnny Depp. But I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer really 
changed the game for vampires, especially as during this time, and then, you know, kind of crossing over, having Angel have his own show. Again, having the, there's the spooky, scary thing of the week, the overarching villain for this, you know, the season. But again, the vampires are very attractive until they turn into vampires. Buffy did a whole thing to make it different, which I really appreciated, is that when they're just, you know, walking around doing whatever, you know, everyone's like, oh, Angel's so hot. It's like they, they're good looking guys. It's good looking women. But when they turn into vampires, their whole like nose scrunches up and then they, they look very, they're not very, as attractive. They have intense, intense like, um, you know, brows. And it's like, what is yeah, that? Very, uh, uh. But to see how like that show went for so long, of course, there was the movie first. Um, and then they switched actresses and we got Sarah Michelle Geller, who, of course, was amazing as Buffy. Uh, and that ran for seven seasons. And then Angel, I think, ran for five. Uh, this was a huge, a huge moment of pop culture. It was a teen show teens could watch and enjoy for connecting to the characters. There's the romance element. There's the action element. There's the scary element. And the lore was really interesting. It's see, like, you know, there's Van Helsing that we've seen in a lot of the Dracula movies. And he is this, you know, he's a hunter of creatures of the dark. But to have a whole show that's kind of based on a female butt kicking vampire slayer and to see how she falls in love with these vampires and has to kind of choose back and forth all the time and it's it's a great show it really is that that's it goes back to the time when josh sweden was really like this was like starting to put him on the map with a lot of, a lot of these shows that he came out buffy was like a huge hit for that well and not only representing vampires but also representing a kick-ass heroine that wasn't a damsel in distress and i think i mean for for the time and to see that people keep coming back to that um, TV show is, is amazing because of streaming and whatnot. Um, now, one show I really like, and it was way, way too many seasons, not in a bad way, but I'm, it's it's amazing how long this, this show lasted. I got to talk about one of my favorite shows um, because of streaming was Supernatural. Running, just just finished his 15th final season uh, this past year. Hey. Uh, whoa, I know, hello. Uh they're good. They're good to go for life. They're, they're covered with money. Um, but I liked in that one where these two brothers were in the same vein of kind of hunters. They were, were hunting all kind of supernatural elements. Vampires in this weren't a huge part of the show, but they were good like in earlier seasons and later. Um, and I thought the vamp in that in that sense they looked like normal people, but when they turned to vampires, they had these ridiculous like mouths of fangs. It was like like. Um, like a Venus flytrap almost. So it was kind of crazy. Oh, jeez. But in the lore of that, they did, like, later on, they, there was, like, a, a head vampire. Like, there was the alpha. So they had, like, oh, it was the alpha. If you kill the alpha, you know, kill the parasite, kill the host. And you do all that stuff. Uh, so I thought that was really kind of cool. And the fact that um, they would still have to, um, in this one, it was, like, this kind of changed it out. Like you didn't, it wasn't just a stake through the heart. It was like, you have to cut, cut off their head. So you're like, Oh, if you cut off their head, you know, take them out. I'm like, that'll take anyone out. But vampires, it was like, this will, this will do it. And this also talked about having like silver bullets, like silver. They started adding that to the element of there, which we'll get into right. Um, later on, we got this really great show that really, I think this show was the first big HBO program that I got into. And we got to talk about true blood, true blood. Which ran for seven seasons on HBO. Uh, I never saw the seventh season. I've been told never to watch it because it's just terrible. <laughs> um, so I'm going to leave it at that. But of the six seasons I saw, 
I love True Blood. It was an awesome show. And also, really, I think, um, apart from maybe certain movies, probably the goriest vampire series or movie I've ever seen. Like, they, they really go full ham with the fact that these vampires are very, very strong. And so when they kill somebody um, or, you know, break someone apart or whatever, it's very gory. Uh, a lot of blood. But, you know, another story very similar to Twilight or other films, you know, where it's like, all right, it's the, the somewhat forbidden love of a human character who falls in love with the vampire. But again, a huge part of that show was the lore, you know, and the scene like how do vampires run stuff? And also, I, just, I love the setting, the setting in Louisiana and like the South uh, gives it like a more of a kind of like it's like laid back and chill. But then you get these really dark. Uh, places that uh, some of the characters run. Well, and that's something about Louisiana. And again, Interview with the Vampire, the Anne Rice novels. I think that certain settings we'll see in these films are just perfect setting for a vampire kind of that Southern Gothic kind of tale. And I think that was the cool thing about that setting that made it what it was, having like the little bayous of Louisiana. And uh, I think that was something like really unique about it. And the, the whole setting was a character itself. And I think that's a huge part of like what Louisiana is to vampires in terms of locales. But um, yeah, we do, which I love about this one. This really, you know, took all those elements of the vampires we really liked. Like you, like you said it, they were strong as hell, scary as hell. And some of them pretty sexy as hell. I'm like, listen, Hey, Eric Northman, take me <laughs> again. Very sexy. Yeah. Alexander Skarsgård. There's Eric and, uh, Stephen Moyer's Bill, but but also then again you had uh, other characters from the dark. You know we had werewolves, we had um, you know fairies. Like at some point we find out that oh Suki is actually a fairy, and so they they kept trying to expand a lot of the fantasy elements Spoiler. of the show. <laughs> Spoiler, but you know at this point if it if show's been out, if a movie or show has been out for over five years. I don't call it sports anymore because yeah, people... you should have joined the train long ago. <laughs> we had a whole pandemic. You had a lot of time to stream things, but exactly um, the, sh the show I think was a brilliant way to show a lot of like, uh, just like it's, it's like very sexy, very dark, great characters, like, you know, well-written characters, the danger and the threat was always there, especially as it moved along in the seasons, the stakes got higher and stuff. And and what and what you're saying about the hierarchy again? We were talking about this because we were we were talking about the Twilight series and movies. Well, this one had this idea of the vampire authority, and they had their own laws of governing. And just like think about when this came out, this is great because this is based off these novels by Charlene Harris. The idea was this whole the the vampires are coming out of the coffin. So this allegory for you know um, you know equal rights. You know uh, whether you know uh, civil rights or uh, same-sex rights and things like that and I thought that was very interesting that they really took again made vampires you know scary uh, enticing sexual beings but also humanized them and the fact that okay they're vampires they live up blood we're looking for this blood substitute which I thought that was the whole true blood idea and that they just want to live amongst humans and like normal people so that was really f like where people in this the series starts vampires they're not hiding you know we we know vampires are real so that was like that was the really big thing like okay this is a cool take and i think that was like but the whole as you went along like you said the stakes get higher and you get more into the mythology of like oh there was lilith and then you've got you know uh, 
it, so I really got a kick out of that. And like honestly, even going up till season seven, I really did enjoy what they kept kept throwing in there. You know, they kept tra- changing it up and everything. And that was really exciting. Now, another series that I haven't seen too much of, I remember watching it quite a bit when it first came out, but I clearly did not keep up with it for the, uh, I think, eight seasons it was on. Um, again, in a very similar f- fashion to something like Twilight, something like True Blood, again, having these, will the girl, does the girl choose, you know, this one, choose that one with vampires. We have the hit show, The Vampire Diaries. I that came am on the a CW. huge fan of that show. I will admit it. You heard it here first, folks. No, I knew I knew you were a fan of that. Actually, no, I will say I really did enjoy it when I when I was watching it. It just said it was not one that I kept up with. But it, again, having these these two brothers who are somewhat competing for this one girl. And of course, then it starts to expand and again, having a hierarchy for their vampires and what their vampires are like. But again, bringing that element of we have to have very attractive people playing these characters. And definitely um, it felt like casting paul wesley was like he kind of looks like um you know uh edward or um edward colin yeah right yep exactly yeah he looks like pattinson kind of he has the hair and everything i have been a fan of ian summerhalder from lost was a show that i definitely so him in here as more of the the bad boy brother um was fantastic casting and of what I saw, I remember liking. So maybe this is a show that I would want to go back and re-binge. And then it did launch off uh, an additional series called The Originals. Yeah, two spin-offs, two. actually. Um, yeah, so a little bit, yeah, again, I really think you should go back and do it. I would love to, you know, pass, pass potential pick of show. Um, you can watch it streaming on Netflix now. Uh, but no, I think, yeah, you're right. And I they had like, and what was great about it, they kept throwing new elements like, they had this idea of a vampire werewolf hybrid called a hybrid where basically he was born a werewolf, a werewolf and um, but then he was made into a vampire. So the idea was the werewolves, you everyone has the, the gene, but you have to kill someone to trigger your vamp, a werewolf curse. And but the same vein of the were, uh, vampire, if you become a vampire, you have to you have to die with a vampire's blood in your system. You don't have to be drained. If, if, I, if I was a vampire, I fed you blood and I killed you you'd have to feed human uh, human blood then to complete the transition. So this whole idea, and the idea is the vampires could come out during the day, they had these little magical rings, so that was kind of cool. Like, you didn't know who was a vampire and such, but but then the spinoff was great because you had the originals, hence the title, these original vampires, that from them, um, all these other vampires had come from, uh, you know, kind of the subspecies. But it does have a bit of the romance in the team, but not to the extent of Twilight that I enjoyed it because what was great about the show when I got into it, it came out right right after True Blood, like the same year. So True Blood was in the summer. And then the fall and the winter, <laughs> I've got, you know, my vampire years were covered <laughs> for for eight, seven, eight years. But yeah, and I, and I think to a success, it's got now another spinoff called um, Legacies where it's like the kids or the grandkids that have a school for you know supernatural kids and so it's it's amazing the fact that it still lasted the legacy of the show has lasted out three spinoffs and the spinoffs have been successful in their own right yeah that's just like big because again i feel like that show would not have worked if there had not been buffy the vampire slayer before it and then you know getting into things like twilight too where people people want the dangerous part of the vampire but they really enjoy the 
who are these people? What is their background? And then they enjoy the romance of the, are they going to get together? Is it too dangerous for them to get together? And, you know, see how that changes things. Like, you know, exactly like even thinking of like, you know, going to twilight, like the whole, like Edward and Bella trying to have a child and like how that all works again, like the lore of like, what was interesting about that, um, that whole idea, it was kind of an allegory for uh, being chaste to, to protect your purity, your virginity. So that, that was interesting because it's like, you know, the idea was like, Oh, I can't be close to you because first of all, if I, you know, try to do anything romantic with you or physical, I would hurt you. (laughs) And also I couldn't hold myself. I'd want to drink your blood. And, but I did like, Oh, back to that real quick. I like that. The fact is if you, they went back to, if you bit a human as a vampire, they had venom in their fangs that it would, it would be excruciating pain, but then you would turn into a vampire. But that was an interesting like allegory that they did where it was like, you know, I, you don't want to live like me because then you, I don't have a soul. And I think that's a theme that's going on there. Like are vampires just damned, you know, humans that they, they are soulless beings. And I thought that, you know, kind of interesting, like take on that, you know? And it, it, it always begs that question of like, you know, who is redeemable when it comes to like, you know, if they're made that way, that's just how they have to, they have to do what they do to survive. You know, there, but there clearly is in a lot of these stories and movies and shows, there is clearly always some kind of very evil vampire that loves to kill people. Like they feed more on the fact that they're killing people than the blood that they get. Now there's been a bunch of shows that I've actually never seen uh, last several years. Again, kind of playing off more of either movies from the past that have been then adapted to a new show or movies that maybe didn't do as well and have a new show. We've had like the Shadowhunters Mortal Instruments uh, series. There's been From Dust Till Dawn, the series, uh, of course, based off the uh, hilarious uh, From Dust to Dawn, which if you've never seen that film, do yourself a favor and go watch it. It's a film that will start one way and will end another way, but uh, a great vampire flick starring George Clooney. There's also been the series Preacher that I've wanted to check out that ran for three seasons on Hulu. There's been a Van Helsing show. And even Ian Summerhalder has been in the show uh, V-War. So he's continuing to be around vampires because, hey, a job's a job. But I will say, Taylor, you know, I feel that although there's been, there's been from the, the creepy and the more gothic romance to the funny, goofy, like okay, this is bizarre. Then you have like the weird, like more science fiction, uh, you know, messing with nature aspect. There's so many like uh, avenues that vampires have gone down that I don't think we're going to see a huge change in that. But it is it is definitely a, a creature that we get a lot of redundancies. We get a lot of like, it's just rehash after rehash. So when we see something new, clever and creative, I think it grasps our eyes because we know the lore. We know the stories of vampires. We get the whole gist of get the steak, get the garlic, you know, but get the cross. But so many of these things have changed the game that I'm excited to see where could vampires go in the future? Because even even looking at, you know, a movie that we, we I know it's talking about Mike Flanagan, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep had a form of what you could call a vampire, but it was not sucking blood. It was sucking essence. It was sucking people that shine. It's, you know, a, a form of vampirism, but not being the traditional blood-sucking vampire. Yeah, I, I, who knows where it can go? I mean, you know, maybe there's vampires in space, cyborg vampires. We're going to go that craziness. So I think the idea that vampires have last, you know, in film since, you know, the 1920s, 
to today, there's still so many variations. I mean, you go from uh, uh, Bella Lugosi, oh, I want to suck your blood, or Ian Summerhalder, take his shirt off, he's got abs, he's sexy, drink my blood. And then you got Count Von Count from Sesame Street, one idiot, huh, huh, you know. So there's so many, um, <laughs> there's like, you know, go to Spaghetti Sarah Marshall, he did the puppets uh, show, and he wanted to do Dracula. So there's so I many. die. I know. I can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many ways and variations to do it that just shows that there's there's maybe some still it's an untapped well of things that they can do. But maybe it just goes to the testament that there's something about being a vampire that the vampire lore that we keep coming back to because we're finding something new to say about it. It's a good like uh it's a good mix to maybe representing um, changing times within True Blood, or you know how religion can be twisted, or you know to just teach kids how to count numbers on Sesame Street. You you know it's, <laughs> but um yeah, I just vampires fascinate me. I'm gonna continue to be excited for the next you know iteration. What's gonna come next? Now, if there is a vampire movie or TV show that you really love that we can get to today, again, it's hard to get through everything because there's so much. Please let us know. We'd love to know what uh, if there's any content that. Maybe something you really love that we maybe haven't checked out because we could always do a past pick on it. So go ahead and reach out to us on social media. Or again, you can email us the potential podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, Cause I'm always interested to hear if there's, you know, Oh, actually I love this 1960s B vampire movie. Great. I want to hear about it. Cause maybe I'll love it too, but thank you for listening to our vampire chat today. And uh, you know, we had to get a little bit more into the spooky season because Halloween is just around the corner. It's coming up. So Taylor, let's uh let's turn into bats and let's go to the batting cage. That was horrible. I was gonna say bat the rug. That was we'll work on that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the potential podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the potential podcast or on Twitter at the potential pod or you can email us send us your positive feedback and thoughts suggestions and more through our email the potential podcast at yahoo.com i'm your host chris dewar and i'm your host taylor sokol stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture entertainment and nerdum and remember know, know your, your potential, potential.